Hello, this is Larry Erickson. I'm a uh, automotive designer. I work in uh, Detroit for a corporation called Magna, and uh, this is a HRBB podcast. Recording from our headquarters in Old Town Orange. Welcome to the Hot Rods by Boyd Podcast. Welcome to episode number forty-nine of the HRBB Podcast. I'm here with Chris in Old Town Orange. How are we doing, my friend? Real good. All right. Yeah. So, a little excited today, huh? Yeah. So got a, had a nice little morning. Went for a bike ride. And yeah. Coming into the good studio, day. feeling it's, like a normal day. It's almost hundred degrees outside right now. <laughs> Glad we got out early, but. Uh, you know, we're going to bring the heat with this podcast, too. So yeah. <laughs> let's welcome to the show, Larry Erickson. Thank you for joining us. Larry, how you uh, doing? It's a, great ple- it's a great pleasure to join you guys. Um, sorry about the heat wave out there. Yeah. Oh, well, it's uh, with everything else going on in the world, I feel really bad about complaining about it. So I'm not going to because it's probably, yeah, it's, the, you know. The nice thing about complaining about the weather is uh, nobody's involved. So it's a, it's a real easy discussion. <laughs> yeah, you know? right. Yeah, no, it's like it's not too too bad. It just spiked a little bit this uh, yeah today. It's like a little but muggy heat. What's too. it like? You're you're in. Are you in, you're in Detroit? Yeah, I'm about. We're in a suburb about 15 miles north. So as long as you don't have to shovel it, it's good weather, <laughs> right? Yeah, because it can get it can get pretty cold out there. Yeah, the winter time you were uh, pretty much locked in that garage and uh, and. Uh, you, you know, it, years ago, people used to talk about California hot rods versus, uh, you know, sort of Midwest hot rods. And I think when you're in the winter and you're you're like two inches away from that car, it's really difficult to tell whether you got the stance right or the chop right. So you need to pull that thing outside. And in the winter, it, that's just not something you want to do. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you never have that problem in L.A.? No, no, no. But, you know, um, and that's kind of where I we, you know, Growing, born and raised in California, you know, you take it for granted because you're hot riding, you know, 365 days a year. But that's where the seasonality comes in in our business, you know. I mean, guys start thinking about ordering in February, March, and it starts to pick up, right, because yeah. they want to get their wheels before the car show season hits. And so, but it's good. We're yeah, right there, and, right? We're first week of June, and we're, we're – I know. Two, mu- two months from Bonneville. Yeah. So – it's it's hustle time. So, is there any word um, about Bonneville happening? Yeah, it looks like it's going to run. I mean, they've announced that they're going to take, um, you know, that 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 it's on the calendar, and um, you know, social distancing in the middle of the salt flats is not an issue. Yeah, no. So, I mean, I was going to say that's probably get, the safest spot to to hang out at. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so you know, you got a lot of room and. Uh, and so, yeah, I think the the plan is to run the event, and hopefully, um, we're going to be there. Yeah, I so. think the biggest challenge is once things start opening up, everyone's going to start trying to cram all these events into a short period of time. So you're really going to have to just kind of pick and choose, you know? Because yeah, I, I think some of the events that are have more set up to them and have a lot of facilities commitment, I think they'll they'll be the ones that sort of maybe take a year off, you know? Yeah. Um, so whenever you got tight uh, relationship with people and stuff, but some of the outdoor events, you know, the rod runs, things like that, they're, they're probably uh, they have a good chance of coming off. So cross our fingers and, and hope there's enough to make it a good summer. You know? Yeah, and it's also you know state by state, so we'll see see what happens there. You know, I mean, I don't yeah. see anything happening in California for a while when it comes to well, uh, something organized. You, you know, so. 
yeah, you you got to be careful and and you know. I think people are also smart enough to say, hey, I'll look forward to next year and I'll do it next year, you know? Yeah. Well, we'll see. It's slow. It's like every week it changes. So, you know, yeah. just looking looking forward to it. I've noticed a lot more little uh, little pop-up stuff here in uh, SoCal as far as people getting together and meeting with their cars, which is kind of cool, you know? Yeah. We're right on. Well, well cars are real. Let's, let's, jump in, let's jump into this. So, you know, for those of you that don't know, um, Larry Erickson, you are what I would say the designer of what most people would call the greatest custom of all time, which would be Cadzilla. Cadzilla. So let's let's backtrack because that's kind of where you come into the picture as far as my dad and Hot Rods by Boyd, and and that's how I I became aware of you. But let's talk about your 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 background there. What led up to that? Okay. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I, I came out of Northern California, a place called Cloverdale. It's about 90 miles north of San Francisco, right on 101. And like a lot of the, a lot of this country, you know, at that point, um, you know, so I got out of high school in 75. At that point, you really were about the freedom of, that the car gave you. And for a lot of us that were car enthusiasts, you know, it was about the expression that we wanted to make. We weren't so worried about how we were dressing. We were more concerned about how we were rolling, you know. Yeah. And um, there were enough of the, you know, that was the first gas crunch. But there were enough of the old school guys around and the, the folks that had started in the 50s and the 60s that there were still these great cars. And, you know, hot rodding had kind of dropped into this uh uh, you know, that sort of early times resto phase, you know? Yeah. And, it, and everything's stuff. a balance. Yeah. Everything's a balance, you know, um, any, any style that comes into the cars usually goes through some overcorrection period, you know, but what, what I did is I, I, um, had always drawn cars, you know, there's nobody on our street, no other kids to play with. And so my mom got me drawing, and, and my dad was always into old cars. You know, he always had something around it. I think when we were kids, he had a 60 Pontiac Bonneville convertible, 421 with a four-speed and, and no power steering, you know. It was my mom's favorite car. <laughs> anyway, um, so he was always into cars, and so naturally I started drawing them. And, and uh, as a result of that, I ended up um, – going to art center to to learn automotive design which is in southern california you know it's up in pasadena but i always had this thing about hot rods and um i think it was the combination of that sort of connected to the to the classical in the hot rodings you know the early custom days uh my dad knew ed bingley and he uh i actually worked with Vern tardell for a while we both worked at the same ford dealership you know, okay. and um, Roy Brizio was up in the Bay Area. Yep. So he had a lot of he had a lot of influences, you know, sort of literally, you know, coming down a road. And um, so I, I always, you know, coming from the small town deal, you know, you thought, well, once I get some money, I'm going to build a hot rod, you know. And um, so I thought I'd gone to work for General Motors and I thought, well, I ought to build a Chevy. Uh, which is, you know, probably a little crazy. But um, 
I through that I got in touch with a guy by the name of Sonny Rinky here in Detroit, and through Sonny, he kind of connected me. He knew everybody. His dad had been an old school metal shaper, uh, a guy by the name of Speed Rinky, and he restored cars back in the fifties and sixties. You know when nobody did that. Yeah. And um, through Sonny, I had uh, uh, met Jack Chisinau who owns Vintage Air. Yeah. And, um, out of Texas. you know, yep. uh, at that time, uh, I was down at the nationals when I met Jack, uh, this would have been about 80, uh, you know, probably 85, 86, somewhere in there. And, um, Jack knew everybody because he, you know, he was putting air conditionings in air conditioners in some of Boyd's earliest cars. And so, I think he actually met Boyd when he was still based at the house. Oh, you know? for sure. J- Jack's one of those people uh, growing up um, that I definitely remember over at the Orange Avenue house, for sure. Yeah. And and so Jack knew Billy cause, uh, Gibbons because he put some air conditioning units in some of his cars. And I, I think the reason Jack reached out to me to begin with is I was working in Cadillac Design Studio at that time. And, you know, they might have been thinking he, he knew that Billy wanted to do a Cadillac. Okay. And um, so he might've been thinking, you know, maybe we got a connection here. Maybe we can get some sponsorship or who knows what, you know, I don't know. Probably have to ask Jack that one, but uh, we kind of hit it off. And um, uh, so through a series of events, I sent him some drawings and, and Billy identified something that he liked, you know, I was felt really strong about it. And, uh, and so Jack started looking at who could build this car. And at that time, you know, there was Boyd shop as far as, uh, you know, being progressive. And, and there were a few other little tiny, you know, smaller operations, but there wasn't anything like there is today, you know, now you've got big shops that can oh, build total cars in every state, you know. Yep. So when people talk to, about the good old days, I think, wait a minute, these are the good old days, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, you know, so I, I usually as a design process, I go from a sketch to a full-size drawing because it really is about the, you know, about the presence of the vehicle. And um, so I did a full-size drawing of it, and and I think between Jack and and maybe some conversations with Billy, that you know they'd kind of come to the conclusion that Boyd was a guy to build this, you know. And I I didn't know exactly what the what Boyd's shop was like; I'd never been in it, you know. And I'd seen the cars that he built in the magazines and stuff. But that's a lot different than the capability it takes to really cut something up. You know, when you start moving every surface on the car, which is what Cadzilla is, you know, everything's been moved, cut, reshaped or whatever. You know, from my school of thought, having worked in the design studios, you know, you needed somebody that was serious on a level of vehicle proportions and architecture. Yeah, now were you, and, uh, were you already in? Now were you already in Detroit at this point? Yeah, I, I got hired straight out of school in '83, and then I kind of bounced around because you know Detroit's kind of uh, uh, hard to get used to. But I ended up back in Detroit in '85, 
And um, so by this time, this was about 87 or so, I, I had already been in the studios for a couple of years and, um, you know, had sort of made some local hot rod connections, you know? Okay. Yeah, because this was... So, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say is, you know, so that that's kind of how I came to meet Boyd for the first time was literally at the NSRA Nats at uh, Louisville. Okay, yeah. And um, at the hotel, you know. Yeah, there's a picture, I um, think... Did you show me the picture? Someone showed me the picture of that. Was Billy there yeah, too? Uh, yeah, Billy was there. Uh, Muzzleman. Uh, I don't know if Harry Hibbler was there, but there was uh, Jack was there. And you know, when you meet somebody and everyone and there's a bunch of other people around, you know, you're just a little bit more. Um, you know, you just sort of approach it a little softer. So you know, I didn't launch into the can you really do this routine? But it was kind of in the back of my mind, <laughs> yeah. you know? And uh, I'll never forget, um, there was one piece of artwork that Billy said, well, that's it, that's what we got to do, you know? And it was one. It was the only full drawing I'd ever made of a card. It wasn't very big. So I made a full-size drawing, and at that time, nobody was, nobody was making glass for hot rods. You know, it just didn't happen. You cut up an existing piece. Yeah. So I had gone in and flat planed the windshield, you know, and uh, and adapted that over from that original sketch. And to Billy's credit, you know, he said, uh, he said, hey, it's something that doesn't look quite the same. And I said, well, I put flat glass into the windshield. And I'll never forget, this was a defining moment in my mind. Your dad was standing there and he goes, well, I can get glass made. And you know when somebody hits you real quick with a comment like that? Yeah. And I just came back and I said, I said, really? You know, and to your dad's credit, he didn't get pissed off, you know. Um, and he said, he said, yeah, we said we got to make a form and we sent him over to Sweden. And I don't know if this connection was through the Swedes because later on I learned that there's a whole bunch of them at the shop, you know. Oh, yeah. But he said, he said, yeah, we can make glass. We can make a compound piece of glass. And I, and I turned to Billy and I said, you guys come back in the morning and I'll have it looking right. So, so this drawing was, you know, the full length of the car and I peeled it back. And, uh, I think one of Jack's guys took off and went to an art store and got me the supplies I needed. And that's why when you look at that image of the full size, it's in that room, the bottom half of it's rendered. And the top, the roof area, doesn't have the same amount of value in it. It's more like a line drawing, you know? Okay, yeah. So, so they, they all came back the next morning, and sure enough, there it was. And Billy goes, yeah, that's it. You know, and, and so a lot of times, you know, people will say, you know, and this always gets me. They'll, they'll, they'll say, oh, you're the designer. You thought the whole thing up. And it's like, no, you know. In this case, we had Billy. He had a persona. You know, there there was a person and a personality that was larger. You know, most people come in, they want a car built, and you don't know anything about them. You don't know, you know, what they're like, whether they like jazz, do they like hip-hop, or they like what, you know. But with Billy, he was kind of wearing it on his sleeve because they're on stage every night, you yeah. know. 
I mean, there, and, and that I was a time they were the, larger than. I mean, ZZ Top was oh, yeah. larger than life yeah, at they, that point, were, right? He's coming off the Eliminator tour. Oh. You know, I mean, oh, this yeah. is at the dawn of, of you know music videos, and I thought about that. Like once we booked you on the podcast, I was thinking about that stuff, and I was thinking about ZZ Top, and I'm like, I remember being a kid, ten years old, yeah, getting MTV in our house, mm-hmm. and it was like legs, legs, whoa, like legs, whoa, whoa. right? And then the Eliminator coupe, oh, and, yeah, you know the, and so yeah, you you know people when when uh, people go, oh, your dad built the ZZ Top car, I said, yeah, and they always want to think of the the red Eliminator coupe, yeah, right, at first, you know, the people yeah, that don't and, don't know. You know, what, were either the yeah. cars with the Eliminator Coupe in a video? The Eliminator Coupe, the Eliminator yeah. Coupe was, yeah, they used that in that whole Eliminator album. Okay, yeah, that was that was their yeah. when the music videos came out. That was what they uh, they used it in legs and maybe maybe a couple other what videos. Wow. I don't know, but yeah, and and for the person on the street, you know, a friend of mine had a red, almost the same red, five window thirty three. And it was always like that's his easy top car, and he'd go, "No, <laughs> right? this is a five window." And people like, "No, no, that's the easy." No, yeah, no. But but the thing was also, you know, that car is what everybody brings to it. You know, whether it was Larry Sergejev on the chassis, yep. at Lars, uh, you know, sort of being a go between, definitely Craig Nass. You know, yep. You can you can make a drawing, but a drawing is not a car. And it takes a whole group of people. And, you know, I, I didn't have any of that information going in about Boyd. But the more we worked on the car, the more it was like you had this. I mean, you had the undefeated team that, I mean, they couldn't fall over backwards and get it wrong, you know, get anything wrong. I mean, they, they, there, was, there was nothing they couldn't do at that time, you know. And, and it's like sports teams, you know, they'll, you'll talk about one year and then go, well, next year, you know, this guy left and this guy moved there and stuff like that. But at that time, those guys were wired. You guys they the built chemistry. that thing. Yeah. They built that thing in, in, um, you know, six months. Yep. Six months. And, and it, and it ran and they drove it cross country. If that would have been a show car build, it had been, you know, I think the budget on that was about, they ended up in the end, you know, in, in, in a six figure number, but that would have been, that would have been a eight figure car yeah. in, a, in a, in a prototype shop, you know? And, uh, and those guys were just phenomenal. And, you know, you don't know anything that going in. And, and so Boyd said, yeah, I can get the glass made. And, you know, just the people that were brought to the, this guy by the name of Danny Drum. Oh, Danny I think, Drum, I don't yep. know if he's, Yeah, I don't know if he's still doing interiors, but Danny didn't, you know, some guys want to talk about things forever, you know. Danny didn't want to talk about it forever, <laughs> you know. I, I said, I, I talked to him a little bit about the interior, and I said, uh, you know, because um, because they had the graphics on the outside of uh, uh, Eliminator, it kept coming up that, that well what if we did this you know and every time somebody when billy was always bringing people in and they'd ask something about it or you know whatever but danny took the uh sketches of the interior which uh and, and he just did this phenomenally sophisticated you know almost uh luxury car interior because it was a cadillac and the color of the material was just fantastic and it's like that that interior probably 
you know, we gave him an idea what the seats should feel like, and we were very specific about the dash. But he brought so much to that car, you know. And um, and and um, Greg, I'm trying to remember Greg Greg Morrell. Greg Morrell. Greg yep. Morrell, a painter. Yep. Yeah. So we had this piece of artwork, you know, that was the original theme sketch, and it was kind of this dark black, almost like purple, moody eggplant color. And uh, you know, you could have pulled paint chips till hell froze over and never found that combination and he mixed it up you know took the artwork and said okay i'd be like this when you saw that paint chip you thought yep that's what it ought to be that's awesome so yeah yeah, the whole shop brought a lot to it and 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 really that was your dad putting those guys together you know yeah he and you know know, there was in in the lot you know it was like you talked about earlier there wasn't a lot of these hot rod shops i mean it that was they were doing something that hadn't been done before. A lot of these projects, you know, and I mean, especially with the Cadzilla going on, you know, and then things after that that came, yeah. you know. But it was like an A-team group of guys. Uh, just, yeah, and they, and they, you know, they'd done a couple other vehicles before that were really extensive, you know, but to take specific directions, it, it's one thing to come up with it intuitively on your own, you know. That's a natural outgrowth, you know, of, of what your past experience is. But to do it to a, a you know, a set of instructions, that, that's that's harder. You know, that's 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 more difficult because you don't know, you know, uh, where every single nook and cranny goes. But, yeah, they did. They did a great job. Well, and, and you know what? So at the time, you're you're a designer over uh, were you, you were a designer uh, with GM under Cadillac at this during the time. of this? Yeah. So GM had 22 studios and had them broken up into different brands and into interior factions and exterior factions and advanced groups. So I was in the Cadillac exterior. Okay. Studio. So did you have to, I mean, to, to work off to the side like this, did you have to get permission from them or was it, was <laughs> that's it... a great, that's a great question. Yeah. Cause to this day, every, everything you make, is their property. Yeah, because okay? like you almost sign and, your life listen, away when you work for these people, right? Yeah, and, and that's what you got to do. But there were two guys there, okay? The the number one, which is Chuck Jordan, and the number two, which was uh, Dave Holes, okay? And Dave, uh, Dave did the 59 Cadillac, the one with the big fins, you know? Yeah. And Chuck did the 60... To the one that's super low and super sleek. Okay. You know? Yeah. Just like parallel lines everywhere, you know? And what was funny was uh, I was, I didn't have any place big enough to do a full size. So they, they had these rolling boards between the, the studio rooms because you're supposed to stay in your own room. But if you stayed at night, you could work on the back side of the board of the other room and no one would know it. Because nobody ever looked at the backsides of them, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I had this full size drawing, and one night uh, I was working. It's about wasn't that late, you know. It's probably eight o'clock, nine o'clock, but nobody else was working in the studio, and uh, and I hear somebody walking from behind, and before I could, you know, get the board up or the other one that covered it down, uh, Dave Holes says, "What's that?" <laughs> you know. And I knew Dave was an old custom car guy. He had a 49 shoebox when he first hired in, and he was always into that stuff. But he really knew his, you know, he knew Struther McMahon. 
uh, Dave was a judge at Pebble Beach forever. Dave was a car person's car person, you know, whereas whereas Chuck was more prone to Ferraris and 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 more contemporary design. Dave was more about the heritage of design. And so so I, I left it down and Dave walks up and he goes, ah, oh, it's cool. And uh, he goes, what's that? And I said, well, a friend of mine uh, is involved in a project and they want to build a custom Cadillac. And he goes, he goes, why that one? And I said, well, when they asked me which one would you start with, I said I always liked the 4849 because they were leaner and they didn't, they were, they didn't hang over their tires as far, you know, they were, they were a more sort of, for the lack of terms, hot rod, like they, they sit a little tighter on their track and wheelbase, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and the seed net was a, was a fastback one. So why not start with a wild one? And at that time I didn't have hardly any fin on this thing. I had it tapered down to almost a point, you know? And Dave goes, well, you took the fins off it. You know, and he said it like you idiot without the words you idiot. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I said I said well I'm just trying to make it clean. He goes well you ought to just put a little kick on the end of them. And so uh, he was right. And you know you can get caught up in what you're trying to do so much you pass it and then you overdo it. Yeah. And and I just too took too much Cadillac out of the back of it. You know. And Dave's suggestion was a good suggestion. So I knew he was okay. And I said can we keep this quiet? He goes, no problem. So that, that, that one was avoided about six, about three months later when it's in metal, I gave some images to a guy in the shop, some photographs, I should say. And Chuck, who was not always as, you know, he wasn't the warm fuzzy type that Dave was. He walked up and he looked at these on this guy's tabaret. They used to have these toolboxes that rolled around the shop. And he goes, what's that? And he said it just like that, like, watch that. And the guy said, the guy said, uh, it was uh, uh, Greg Smelzer. Greg Smelzer says, uh, oh, that's that custom car Larry's working on uh, out in California. He goes, Larry, huh? <laughs> and he takes the picture. He goes, I'll get this back to you. And he heads down the hall. So Greg calls me from the shop because it's like a quarter of a mile away from our studio. And he says, Chuck's got a picture and he's coming your way. And that's all he said. (laughs) And Chuck walks the door, walks through the door and the the door to the studio is about 80 feet away from the, the, the working boards we were on. And he goes, he just yells Erickson. And as I'm walking towards him, he goes, what is this? And he used to have that real pointed kind of like, you didn't know if he was mad or (laughs) what, you know? And uh, and I said, uh, and then I kind of ap- apologetic. I said, well, Chuck, that's a buddy asked me to help him with a custom car. I said, it's out in California. Uh, and before I could say anything else, he goes, wow, that's great. That's and funny. after Chuck thought it was great, everybody thought it was great. That's awesome. Because he was the vice president. Yeah, yeah. Cause, you know, so I, that, that, this, this questions I always was, was thinking about, you know, and um, because I know when you, you know, there's a lot of, sign your life away confidentiality they own rights to what you do over there but you know this is also 30 years ago you know so yeah uh, you know it was things were starting to tighten up because when we did a luma coupe you know yeah uh, we wanted to use a 
Cadillac motor. In fact, we packaged that whole car for a North Star transverse drivetrain, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, Cadillac wouldn't give them a motor. Huh. You know? But, but during that period, from I would say from Cadzilla to about, uh, you know, the, the, the later stuff, the Boydster 2 and those, during that period, hot rodding went legitimate. You know, it got on the cover of Smithsonian. Uh, it moved into the, it moved past the, you know, just ZZ Top videos and it started to appear in other places. And, you know, you, you guys, the early days of Hot Rods by Boyd, the middle days, I should say, of Hot Rods by Boyd, you know, really uh, push that wave, you know. The, the, the Luma Coupe was on the cover of USA Today. Yep. A very small picture, but the guy in the article said, basically, this is the only car worth looking at. <laughs> and yeah. he didn't use those words, but it was along those lines. And the fact that a hot rod could make the cover at the New York Auto Show could make the cover of USA Today was a huge thing. Well, and I remember just because, you know, going back to like we talk about the Eliminator Coupe, right? Because that was what, a fiberglass car? Um, it was just kind well. Of, no, the first one was steel. The first one was the first one. That, oh, okay. Thalen, Thalen built the steel one, and then when they were booking it for everything in the world, um, uh, Chuck Lombardo did the fiberglass. That's right, one. Chuck Lombardo. Okay, that, yeah. that's correct. So, you know, I remember, I remember my dad when when Cadzilla was done at, at the at the unveiling, at the shop, just kind of like I think he had it in his mind, like you know, he he. He knew obviously just like you did what went into that and how what it took and you know um, that it wasn't this fiberglass uh, car they're going to take to these concerts and just have people jump around you know but he thought that's that's probably what they were going to do you know so he just well he, yeah you know you you can you know movie cars and things like that are definitely a double edged sword you know um, and but but I think the the key for for, you know, in those years for Hot Rods by Boyd was that they didn't do movie cars. No. You know, they, they, they even if the car they built was a fiberglass car, it was a serious fiberglass car. It wasn't a, you know, let's make an impression and we'll stop at the impression. No, they, you know, they drove that project through the lights the hard way, you know. Well, they, that... they kept their foot in it. Yeah, and that was my dad's comment. He made a comment like right in front of me and my mom about this the car. And he goes, you know, I just hope that they, you know, th- these guys are going to appreciate w- what has gone in to make this thing happen. And this just is this isn't the this is not the Eliminator Coupe. This is on a totally different level, you know. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, the the Eliminator Coupe will always be uh, famous, and and the Thalen car was a good car. Yeah, I mean that thing was, you know, and and Lombardo's was 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 a good car for a glass car, you know, but, um, but Cadzilla was really, you know, I think um, that merging of what was traditional, especially in customs, and what was now possible, and and doing it in a way that that you could drive it, you know, that it wasn't. Just to try. I mean, I drove it from Pomona back to the shop once. You know. Yeah, you know what? And, did um, you did you have? Okay, so was Keith Russell's dad with you on that trip when you went back from Pomona? 
to the shop? No, not not that one. Okay. You know, the 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 year I did it, I, I was it was I would it would have been happy or handy having a spotter because that thing the forward view out of it is anything but uh, convenient, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Um, no, I I just uh, drove it solo. In fact, I don't think we were. You know, it was out there a couple of times, I think, but I don't think we were in even a caravan. Yeah, cause because Keith I just has remember a, thinking. Yeah, Keith, Keith has uh, some VHS uh, camcorder footage of that thing going down the 57 freeway from Pomona, and his dad was riding shotgun. I don't, then I don't know who was driving at this point. And then he. But you know what? I was. I was probably so nervous about it. You know, you could have five people in the car and I wouldn't have noticed. But uh, <laughs> How no, was I, that? I, How was I, that driving that thing down the freeway back to the shop? Well, it's it's great when you've got – the problem is, you know, I mean, if you raise the back of it and you pull your seat up, you got a pretty good drive. That windshield pulls back enough to give you some upward visibility. Yeah. But when – but I always thought the car looked, you know – Looks because those rear levelers raise it about four inches. Then I think the car never looks good, and I'm always worried about what you look like. So I, I kept it down even when it was on the freeway. Oh, and boy. so as a result, the immediately the 50 feet in front of you, you know, you can you're overall low, but you can't see the pavement. You know, <laughs> so it's a little touchy. But the visibility out the sides and everything is good. You know, you got you got two two rear view mirrors and a center one. You know, so. Oh, they made cool. it all the way cross country and they didn't hit anything. So oh, yeah, that was sure. a miracle in itself. Well, you know, one of my favorite parts of that car is the firewall on that thing. With the you Z- know, that was a big, that was a big discussion there because Craig did that on his own. Oh, did he? Craig just, yeah. Um, I don't, you know, um, and, and, and listen, to be a metal shaper, you've got to have courage because knocking it back into the shape it was before is usually not an option. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but he put that in. And at that time, Billy was working with the ZZ Top logo. Oh, And he yeah. was trying different things. And, in fact, those little decals that are on the side strip, they're the, the what he was thinking was a more uh, sort of, you know, they change logos with album covers, you know. But Craig had it in the firewall. I think Billy called me and said, what are we going to do about this? And I said, I said, well, you know, uh, it's going to definitely slow, you know, things down and take more work to ask him. And I said, the other thing is, you know, Craig was doing an outstanding job. I mean, the first time I went out there, I thought, holy smokes, you know, it looked exactly like the drawings. And he was doing such a great job. I didn't want to take any wind out of anybody's sails, you know? Yeah. And so, and I said, well, you know, it's kind of a connection to, to where you guys were when you did the illuminator and stuff. And so that kind of seemed to work in. And then later on, you know, I, I think Billy kind of grew to like it and it's kind of hidden in there, you know, in a way, not exactly, but, uh, there was lots of funky little stuff like that. You know, um, people just aren't used to a build and how it goes. You know, one time at one minute, it'll seem to just absolutely crawl. And the next minute it seems to leap, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's one comment that, uh, I think Keith had, had made about Craig was like, they're talking about like, they'd go to lunch and come back and Craig would already have like a whole panel done. 
You know, like he was oh, yeah. real quick, and but good. Yeah, and know? and with a wheel, I mean, you gotta you gotta work it with a wheel. Yeah. You know, but um, English wheel, I should say. Um, but yeah, Craig was. Uh, you know, I used to go out and I'd get there um, usually Saturday at about one o'clock. I could get to in the Orange County directly. You know, I get there about one, two o'clock. I'd come over. And usually Craig had it at working height, you know, because you don't want to have the rockers buried on the concrete. Yeah. And so we'd we'd move it around and get it into position. And then before the wheels had been made, we actually had cartoons of the wheels that we, you know, 2D drawings of them that we put in there. And I would say right from the get go, you know, some car builds, it's like, okay, now we took it apart. It doesn't quite look looks worse than when we started. But that thing, Craig had it almost immediately sort of roughed in in the main body. And then and then we kind of worked our way towards the ends, you know. So we're, how often were you coming out to California? At the height of when, when Craig was moving stuff, I was coming every three weeks. Okay. So, um, you know, and, 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 to, Bill, and to, commit to, the, um, to Billy's compliment, never any questions you know uh denise set up the uh set up the flight we got it done um and uh you know it was always uh there was usually <laughs> the routine was usually we got the car in shape for uh uh for billy to look at you know saturday evening or saturday late afternoon he'd bring somebody down you know we all kind of stand around talk about details and stuff if there was something important to to resolve Cause we were sending faxes back when there were faxes. And I think Billy had a fax machine and a briefcase for a while, That's but we were sending faxes back and forth where Craig would send me a, a photograph. And then I'd use that photograph as a basis to make a drawing over, like move this line, do that. And, you know, again, um, you can give instructions, but sometimes they don't come out better. And man, he always hit it, you know, and uh, we got lucky with some things, you know, if the front bumper's a 55 Chevy, and we got lucky that, that the curves and everything kind of matched up with that 48, 49 fender. And pie cutting, the, you know, sectioning the hood and uh, burying the little emblem, you know. At that time, everybody was kind of throwing away the chrome. And um, I think the chrome really makes that thing, especially like the side spear, you know. So we... we uh, we had some luck along the way that um, that really worked out, and a lot of that was was Craig's abilities, you know. Well, and, and you know, to talk about the time frame, we're talking six months, and this is six months between eighty seven and eighty eight, correct? Right. So this is this is pre internet. You're talking about fax machines, and yeah, I think what's I think it was on the end of eighty eight. Actually, I I don't think we kicked off until eighty eight when he got the car, but but I know. When they started cutting that thing up to when that was finished, it was six months, and I think they, I think they wrapped up in like February of '89. Yeah. So I forget. Anyway, but just anyway. just the logistics of doing doing business. I mean, now we take it for granted. It's like, hey, look, I'm going to send you an email right now, and it's going to be the best photographs you've seen and whatever angle you want. And if it's not the right one, five yeah. minutes later, you do it. I mean, oh, back, yeah. back then, if you you had a you had a camera. They they had what one hour photo back then, but you know what I'm. It's just 
to, to do something yeah, like but, that in six months yeah. with the ancient, I mean, if you guys remember the fax machines from the 80s, that wasn't that great, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. I mean, but, impressive. But you know what you get, what those guys had, and, and I think this comes down to every shop no matter where it is. If you've got the right quality ethic, in other words, you not only can identify the right idea, but you just stay the course to get there. So I get a call one time, and uh, I think it was Billy, and he goes, he goes, hey, I, I just got an invoice for, like, painting a transmission, you know? And he goes, he goes, it's not small. And, and he, was being, he wasn't being sarcastic or anything. It was just sort of like, I didn't know we were going to do this, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, I, and by that time, I'd been around, you know, this was at the paint process, so we were probably five months in. And I said, well, that's just how those guys roll. You know, that's, you know, that's what they do. And, and to your dad's credit, you know, he always stayed that course and everybody that worked for him stayed that course. And, and, you know, you would come in and things would be maybe not the certain style you were thinking about because you either were moving so fast, you didn't give direction on it. You know, it was like finishing out a valve cover or something like that, or, you know, it was a area nobody had anticipated the complexity, but their solution was always a quality solution. You could always argue, well, it should have been, you know, oranges and not apples, but they were both the apple and the orange were really great. You yeah, know? I mean, my dad so, had, had established pretty much that formula for what he was going to do on every car, you know. Um, I mean, you're yeah, talking about quality level, I, right? Yeah. So, and just what you do. Yeah, and and I think everybody wanted to be there because you know it was the best shop in the world it wasn't the best shop in that city or that state it was the best shop in the world yeah it was it was it was definitely over there in stanton off monroe at that shop there that was the magical years at the you know and that's like that's kind of the reason we started this podcast a year and a half ago because everybody a lot of people, um, and it, it, the, the American Hot Rod Show was great. It was great on, on, for a few reasons, but it, it really only documents what my dad did from like 2003, you know, to 2000. You know, before he passed in 2008. 2008, yeah, yeah. But all the magic and all the all the cool stuff and all the awards and all that stuff that happened in the 70s, 80s, yeah, and then 80s at the shop there in yeah. Monroe. Yeah, we've had a lot of know. guests talk about those days. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you know, at the Grand National, uh, uh, Bob Comos's, uh, um, Phaeton and, um, oh, uh, uh, there was a, the one of, uh, one of Bucure's, uh, Roadsters, a white one. Yep. White Model A. They were sitting out back. And I mean, you still walk up to those things and just think, you know, it, it's like, it's like a tight, you know, record you know piece of rock and roll um you know it's it just it, it's really hard to describe and you know you can go into a restoration shop or you can go into a race shop and they are just laying it down you know dan gurney's uh, american racers in their heyday or uh you know one of the restoration shops like mike cleve's place uh, down in north carolina you go you walk in there and it's going on 
not only that, but they, they know their subject. You know, it's so tight. And and the the other shop with the television program, so it was a, just a different proposition. You know, it had a it, it made a different type of car and and it worked in a different way. If you go back to the Stanton shop, um, what was the street it was on? It was on Monroe. Monroe, okay. Like the Monroe shop, because there was a couple of them connected together for a while. There. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it it was just like a, it just seemed like a hot, especially from a design side, a hot rod. You know, there's definitely, now you got the Vern Teradels and the Rolling Bones and the other guys that are about that type of hot rod. But a, a type of hot rod that's got this sort of design aspect to it and is also, you know, just incredible craftsmanship, that, that shop was, was just on it, you know? Yeah, and you mentioned Bob Comus's fate and one of my all-time favorite cars. Yeah, the, that and uh, the, you know, and, and, and it was funny, uh, uh, you know, that whole circle with uh, little John and 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 the other folks that kind of made up that school of thought, you know, um, it's just amazing. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a small little group and it was a small little area. I mean, you you had Bob Bowder, we had uh, little John Butera, you had Fat Jack Robinson, you know, my dad, um, you know, Chuck Lombardo was in that mix, um, you know, all kind of in this. We're all in the same area community you know yeah um and and that yeah and, just, and that area still has those craftsmen you know there's they're still there they're working in different shops and stuff but it's uh you know yeah it's a it's a rare rare uh commodity that's for sure well so so cadzilla's finished and it's done now did now let's let's go back to some of your uh you know uh, your peers and uh your superiors over there in in detroit when everything's finished, how do, how do they uh, react? Well, well, actually, um, it it really because it fit Cadillac so well, you know. Yeah. Um, in other words, it, if it was lime green with a blower sticking out of the hood, <laughs> yeah, that would, that, you know, yeah. it'd have been like what? The, yeah, they're like, you know, hey, uh, but we because talk. it was, yeah, and and really that was the influence in the beginning because. When um, when you go back on the the concept sketches that those studios, like Cadillac Studio, was making when that car was originally built in '48, you know they'd come out of the war. They kind of wanted this rocket ship thing, and every one of those sketches has this forced perspective with this taper to it. Yeah. You know, and so I had pulled a lot of that stuff together. Um, just over a period of time out of personal interest, you know, and, and I always think that when you take a car and you try to move it towards a more sort of vibrant version of itself, you know, whether it's to make a pro touring Camaro or to make a, make a hot rod out of a 32, having a little feeling of what they originally wanted to do, but probably couldn't, you know, because of either the, you know, upper management. So, so like when all those forties Cadillacs were done, you know, they still reviewed the cars during, during development with their hat on, you know? Yeah. And, um, so those roofs are got the big thick section, you know? 
And uh, but going back to that root case was uh, was an important con- contribution to that car. So, but yeah, most everybody thought it was uh, good. It helped the Chuck thought it was good. Um, I actually took him for a ride in, around the lake at the GM Design Center with it. Um, we had a uh, they were using a Ford transporter at the time, and they were hauling that and the eliminator um, around, and the Ford. Ford corporate guys, you know, being corporate marketing guys, arranged to have the truck and the eliminator, but they didn't want Cadzilla. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and so I, I asked Chuck, I said, hey, they, these guys didn't want to park this someplace. Can we put it? I thought we were the only people with insurance high enough to cover it, you know. Couldn't, couldn't be at my house. And, uh, and he goes, yeah, have them bring it over. Uh, and so they brought it over, and we were looking at it, and I said, do you want to go for a ride? He goes, yeah, I'll get Lucy. So Lucy was his uh, admin, and we went around the lake a couple of times at about ninety miles an hour. Well, that's cool. uh, it was cool. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that. that... But yeah, I think they they had a lot of respect for the car in general from people in the industry because I think of you know the the quality that was executed at. Well, and you know, looking back, I mean, you know, you talk about uh, you know my dad's kind of was you know. Uh, the, the spearheading the the movement to legitimize hot rodding but but it was it was little bits and pieces like your involvement in in like car like Cadzilla that helped that you know i mean yeah and and you know and tom i mean he, he obviously had that concept for maybe not explicitly with the public's opinion but he had involved tom taylor from uh you know cuz i met tom when i was originally in the school yeah, so did you guys? Been, are you he, guys? Did you guys go to Art Center about the same time? No, I came after him. Oh, okay. Uh, Tom, you know, Tom really, and and other guys. To be fair, you know, the Tom Daniels and the Steve Swages and and the other folks had done that, but it was it was now um, it was somehow different with uh, the way Boyd did it because he actually did it more like a. <laughs> studio in a way um you know he let you put the idea into the uh, you know into the equation and he worked with it as opposed to um you know just simply taking a drawing and walking off you know yeah that kind of thing yeah he he, so yeah yeah early on especially with like with tom i think you know um Tom came in at, at the right time. Uh, you know, that's my dad started. I think the, my dad, what he, as, as a car builder, you know, starting out in your garage and all that, he kind of, as he evolved, he, he realized he was smart enough to go, okay, listen, this is, I'm a car guy. I can build a car, but maybe, you know, this is, I need to bring together the people that they're the experts in, in things. So I got yeah. you got the designer, which you know originally was Tom Taylor originally when the Vernless Coupe thing happened, um, and then you kind of he put the, put the A team together like we talk about those guys over in in Monroe, you yeah. know, on Monroe, and um, and then you know working with guys like you, designers, you know, um, you know, I mean, there's people that go, I want to do it all myself, and he wasn't like that. He was more like, no, I, I got big things to accomplish, and I need the experts to, yeah. to get me there. You know, so yeah, and 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 knowing how to, you know, it's it's like it's like a studio group. You know, studio groups usually about 
anywhere from a dozen to two dozen people yeah. and and managing how that project moves forward um you know it takes other other skills beyond just what started you into the business you know but um yeah they 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 definitely had it together you know? so let's so Cadzilla launches and and was was cool is when the so the recy- the the recycler album comes out because I know that and and I mean I mean we don't know all the details of it but I know there was a, a little disputes in the, in the band about the logo and the cars and all that stuff right but when the recycler album came out Cadzilla was a big part of that um, which yeah when did that come you out eighty nine ninety did that come out was that about yeah right? would have, I think it would have been ninety or ninety maybe even ninety two. You know, what happens with a lot of those things, uh, especially when there's some kind of public notoriety involved on one party or another, you know, one group feels like they brought the notoriety to it. The other group feels like they brought the notoriety to it. And anything that that generates a revenue stream is going to create, you know, going to create a natural kind of friction. And, you know, the real good groups, are the ones that, you know, they have the right empathy for each other and they think, okay, we're better off together than we are separate, you know? But, uh, yeah, it was a big part of the recycler and, and, uh, you know, you couldn't make the same punch into the video, uh, music video world like you could, you know, when, when the eliminator came along, yeah. that whole platform was brand that new. That was all new. You know? yeah. 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 And you know what? We did, a, po- so, we did a podcast with Randy Lorenzen. And he goes oh, yeah. in, he goes in depth on that photo shoot. Oh yeah, that was incredible. That's a good one. He yeah. talks about how they got they it, it just getting the band there, yeah. and then Frank Beard rolls in and says, "Listen, you got an hour. Yeah, okay. Where do you want me to stand?" And then Randy's all, "Give me a minute, blah 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 blah." And he goes, "You got fifty nine minutes, bro. <laughs> like you know, he's yeah. like, yeah. Didn't they get the uh, the backdrop from Spaceballs or something like?" That? Yeah, so, Spaceballs. So, yeah, that's a good. Random yeah, Larry, if you haven't heard that that yeah. podcast, you listen to the Randy Lorenzo podcast. He talks about that. I will. Rand, that Rand, sh- Randy's a real cool cool guy, and we crossed paths at Ford years later. Yeah, no, it's That's cool. That was cool because, you know, I went to the uh, – my dad took me and my brother to uh, one of the concerts. I forget where it was at. It might have been the Forum. We went and saw yeah. ZZ Top, and it was wild yeah. because that – I mean, obviously the – the stage technology back then, like lasers were big, yeah, right? Yeah, little pyro. So they had laser, yeah. laser animations of Cadzilla driving, like going across the screen. And then these guys come out like in crushed cars, like, <laughs> like they're in these crushed little, little cars and yeah. they come out like motorized deal and they pop out and they start playing. It was pretty cool. That was, I mean, All right. that was good times. So let's talk about Cadzilla launches. That's, that's down the road. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then let's talk about Illumicoop. How does that come to fruition there? Well, you know, um, and, and I was kind of, I, I, I would say I was, uh, I thought it was a huge compliment, but at the same time I thought, okay, now this guy's thinking ahead. <laughs> he goes, he goes, what would you, you know, Boyd just asked me, uh, I forget when it was, but I know I drew the car on the, uh, what's a little piece of paper on the airport plane coming back. But he said, what would you do if you were trying to, you know, sort of take a hot rod into the, you know, 
this more progressive, more concept. And uh, I, I said, I, I don't know. You know, I said, is there something you're starting with? He goes, nope, we can do anything we want, you know. And um, so, so I knew that, I knew that, you know, you, Hot Rods by Boyd was still, it's called Hot Rods by Boyd. It isn't called Concept Cars by Boyd. So I thought, you know, we should build something that looks modern in its surfaces, but in its proportions and in some of its elements, it's still a hot rod, you know. So if you close your eyes and you felt your way around it, you go, okay, small tires on the front, big tires on the back. You know, the body shape has got a larger mass where the occupant is, and it's got a rolled rear deck surface, you know. And at that time, I'd been up to one of the uh, northern Nats, not northern Nats, but one of the one of the things that's, that was up in, uh, I think the Nats when it was up in St. Paul, Minnesota, and Bob Larravee had the just restored Christman Brothers Coupe there, and I just looked at that car and thought, man, it's you know it's got those two forty Ford hoods welded together, and it's got that blown Chrysler or an injected Chrysler in the back, and I just thought, man, this just thing just looks so, just so purposeful and and just you know lethal and uh and for some reason that stuck in my mind and so i started drawing this thing that had a body section that wasn't like a 30s car at all you know it was more like a concept car and then uh, a real pointy nose but a vertical grill you know like a lasalle almost proportion and then this rolled deck and a really tight round upper and uh we made a scale model of it and a guy who was a sculptor that i worked with in cadillac by the name of steve warrell again he was sort of like with clay like craig was with metal he just made this beautiful little quarter scale model and um, painted it up made some aluminum wheels for it and i sent it to boyd and he's like he was like yeah that's what we're gonna do (laughs) and so we we just scaled it up. I mean, I scaled up the cross sections, you know, the sort of fishbone sections, sent them to, uh, to Boyd and he had Marcel roll the panels, I think the first set of panels. And then I think squeak squeak or one of those guys came in, uh, and Craig had left by that time. And, um, we, uh, so we did that over a period of time. And, and again, that was the one we tried to get a Cadillac motor for. And they were like, no, you know, Harry, Harry Hibbler had got the one, the cat, the old Cadillac motor that we use in Cadzilla, but he did that through the advertising guys. You know, the marketing guys were just like, well, why would we want to get involved in a hot rod? And then, you know, three, four years later, when, when they did that 37, um, they put a North star in that one. But, uh, no, the, the, the thing on the, the Aluma coupe was, uh, Boyd called me up and he goes, Hey, uh, you know, we weren't getting a Cadillac motor. And he goes, Mitsubishi wants to put a motor in this. They're going to put some effort behind it. He goes, how does that, you know, he just said, what do you think of that? And I said, well, I'm sure somebody won't, you know, won't like it on the GM side. But, uh, but uh, you know, you got to do what's good for your business, you know. And I said, if Cadillac, you know, won't come around, then that's their problem, you know. Yeah, because Mitsubishi, uh, Mitsubishi was right down the, their head, their North American headquarters, which is still there, is was 
maybe three miles from the shop from the factory. Yeah, and 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 you know there was there was a little bit of whining about it, but it had three hundred fifty horsepower. You couldn't whine too much. Yeah, but uh, uh, it was funny. About a year later. And I think because that car went for a while, it didn't just go straight to build. It took about a year or so, which is still a pretty short time. But uh, when it debuted at New York, the GM, the Chevy guys got a hold of Chuck because uh, Tony, Tony Thacker had mentioned myself and Mitsubishi in the same article. Oh, <laughs> and, and, it, and, it, and so so I go up to Chuck's office and I get called up and he goes, uh, I said, I said, uh, Chuck, he goes, what are you doing here? I said, I think you want to talk to me about a hot rod. He goes, a hot rod. I said, yeah, Mitsubishi power. He goes, Oh yeah. He goes, he goes, that looks cool. And I said, <laughs> I, he goes, he goes, uh, yeah, the Chevy guys are not happy, you know, if you could avoid it, don't do that again. I said, Hey, I didn't have any direct communication with him. I said, Boyd, I gave the drawings to Boyd. Cadillac wouldn't give us a motor. You know, I, I gave him a basic story. He goes, okay, that's enough. Bye. <laughs> and I left, <laughs> you know, but funny. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was just a really cool car because it, it, um, I, I mean, it, it, tried to you know wasn't trying to be literally a 30s ford you know and a lot of people at that time thought well for it to be a hot rod it's got to be an old car you know and you know as we know now a hot rod can be anything you decide to hot rod you know yeah and that that car really it does take that like you know concept car look where it's it's it looks like a spaceship but it's still like a hot rod you know, I mean, proportion. Like you talk about the little, little, uh, little tires and wheels in the front and the big in the rear, and 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 also too the the rear wheels. I forget what size they were in the rear, but weren't those? They were Goodyear tires, right? right. They were custom carved. Yeah, they they were concept car tires, and at that time when that car was built, you know, you didn't have the twenties that you got now. I think I think those were. I think it was either 19 or 20 inch rim. Yeah. Uh, maybe, you know, and, and Goodyear, uh, but he couldn't, you couldn't run it at speed for long periods with those. Now you can buy that size of tire right, left and center all day long, yep. you know, but at that time, the, the, the sort of big rim diameters hadn't gone up yet. Yeah. That was always but, the kind of the limitation because, when it came to metal, you could pretty much make anything, right? But yeah, when it came to the tires, I remember, you know, back when you know Chip used to work for us, just him drawing on a blank tire, and then they're yeah. taking like a tire, uh, like a melting iron, and carving in carving the yeah, pattern, they, carving the tread into it. Yeah, they they they've moved to uh, a lot more sort of progressive involvement with you know, doing one-off stuff. And at the time, in the early days, you know, you had to be a Ford or a GM. And I I think, uh, I, think I forget how Boyd uh, got the connection on those, but he had a, a corporate connection to get those. Yeah, we had a relationship with Goodyear for years back then. 
that's and that's probably what it they was. They seem yeah. to be our our go to tire back then. But I remember that. So then, and I remember so so. I think the Aluma Coupe. What year did that get finished? You know, there's a lot of talk about that because at the same time, um, you had the the um, oh the Prowler being developed. But yeah. if you look, there's a, there's an early, I think it's a 1990 article where Boyd was uh, in a hot rod where he was man of the year or something. And he's pointing over his shoulder and there's a drawing of that car up on the wall. And, he, you know, I think when it comes to ideas to do things, I don't think one person is a sole individual that has it. I think especially when you got a lot of creative forces. So Chip was still in school. He was doing his project. Chrysler had an advanced studio in Southern California. They were probably looking in both at Art Center stuff and at, at Boyd stuff. You know, guys were always visiting the shop. But that car was laid out fairly early. And, you know, it never had bumpers on it and it never had... You know, it really was a, you know, it really was a hot rod in its lack of adherence to, you know, general rules of the road. So yeah. it, it started early. It, it, because it, I think it, de- it did a debut in what, in, uh, at the New York Auto Show, right? In 92? Right. It was on the Mitsubishi stand. And, uh, cause I was at the same show with, uh, Chuck Jordan, uh, because we were debuting a Cadillac model at that show and um i think that would have been 91 92 something like that yeah because um and that was also a time that 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 kind of kicked off i'm trying to think too you know because shizum was was finished around that time as well yeah so tom was working that to for her rudka right uh yes so you know, that was also where my dad had to prove a point to people because they were like, ah, oh, boy, it builds these trailer queens. They can't drive, blah, blah, blah. So what did he do? Oh, yeah. He took a Luma Coupe, you know, uh, yeah. on the road. And, and one of my yeah. – I've, I've said this on every podcast, yeah. but one of my all-time favorite trips was driving from here to Indianapolis, good guys, in Shazoom with my dad with Gray, yeah. ba- Gray Baskerville and Bob Bowder in tow in a trailer truck and trailer so well you know gray uh gray was a part of all of these things because you know his attitude about things and his enthusiasm for them came through in his writing and you know if there was anybody that ever was a good litmus test for whether something was hot rod enough it was gray <laughs> for sure yeah i call that guy he's the hunter s thompson of of uh uh, hot rod journalism for sure that guy was he was wild he was wild he, yeah. he was but he was just he, he just lived lived and breathed it and was there to document it you know yeah he, he uh you know um he just loved what he did and he was really good at it you know yeah and you know the uh talking about the luma coupe so with the relationship with mitsubishi we had a lot of mitsubishis around there during that time like i said i grew up you know, a mile away from their headquarters, um, you know, North American headquarters. So when I graduated in 92, I went out and bought myself 
an Eclipse GSX all-wheel drive. Oh, with yeah. The, with the same motor. <laughs> and that was like, yeah. you know, it had, what, 200 horsepower, you know, all-wheel drive, little rocket for the now yeah. i mean geez you buy you buy a base model sentra it's got 230 <laughs> horsepower right but whatever you know but in 92 i mean that was cool you know it was that was that was yeah and, and you know it's a it's a 57 chevy of its time you know yeah no that was i mean cool times good products good products you know they find your customer you know yeah no it's it, cool we, we had some um yeah there was there was a that was a great time and you know this it was, it was kind of weird yeah because i think it was i remember I, I you know as you talk about the 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 stigma of oh wow we're gonna start putting mitsubishi motors in in american yeah, hot, hot rods, rods you know yeah. hey you know hey they used to put ranger they used to put ranger motors and and roadsters to go faster <laughs> this idea that you know it's got to be a certain uh configuration or it can't have overhead cams it's like has it got horsepower yeah. And can I get my hands on one, you know? Well, and that's, and we, you know, Steve and I, we, and we talk about on this podcast, we talk about all the time, like about the, this is the future of, of electric, you yeah. know? And I mean, just, Oh yeah. Just the, the hey. just the, 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 the technology and, and just the performance potential out of those things. Yeah. You know, it's going to be ridiculous. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, nothing's going to replace just some top fuel dragster noise and horsepower no, but... and just the thunder that happens from that. But, Come on, people yeah. just want to go fast, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, and yeah, and a thirty-two Ford frame is a perfect thing to hang a battery and electric motor from. You know, it's got all kinds of mounting points. Yeah, you know, I, I think you know people talk about well, is this all going to go away or something like that? I I think it's really about what you're exposed to and the way it sort of comes to you. You know the way it hits you. Yeah. And, you know, this comment was made earlier about how many shops there were in the United States that could build Cadzilla compared to now. All these shops are doing pickups. They're doing, you know, some of them are doing electric versions of cars. People want to, they want to live in a physical world too. They want to, they want to ride. They want that, you know, wind to come through the windows or underneath the windshield in some cases. Right. And, you know, we might be in a spot where everybody's spending their waking dollar on, you know, streaming this or streaming that. But, you know, hot rodding, you know, you could have swore in 1975 that it was long gone, you know. And by 1985, it was roaring back. And by 95, you know, it, it's huge. Well, and, so, you know, and you know what? Uh, talking about just like current times and what you just said, we live in a physical world. Look, uh, so people that listen know that. I'm heavily into mountain biking, road biking, and all that. Like yeah. right now, the the they're out of bicycles yeah. in, in America. Like as far as anything, I think it's under like a thousand dollars. Yeah, about bicycles. Oh, really? Inventory is gone. Yeah, inventory is gone. And wow, because because you know what? Because you know we're in this little lockdown quarantine deal. That's the one thing people can do is they're saying you can go bike. Yeah, the bike shop that I race out of. That's my local bike shop. They're backed up on service. They're they're looking to hire mechanics right now. They're backed up three four weeks. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. It's yeah. just the amount of people that you're seeing out there riding bicycles and bicycles. That's like, how long has that technology been around? That's yeah. like the most basic of, of you know. Well, you, you know, I ask a, 
historian one time why the auto industry was in, you know, the Detroit area. And he said one of the key factors was Detroit used to be a big bicycle area. But, you know, you look at bicycles, motorcycles, hot rods, you know, I, I think, you know, Right now, especially for the pre-48 stuff uh, on the hot rod side, you know, there's more creativity in motorcycles and bicycles than, you know, I'm waiting for that wave of creativity to come into the hot rod stuff. And there are some guys doing it. You know, there's some guys building, you know, more sort of track-like cars and using different construction techniques and different materials, you know. But I think, you know... Just like, you know, your dad did with, you know, and it wasn't just billet, you know, this, this, this whole thing of, you know, this anti-billet wave and all this other stuff, it's all crock. There is materials and there's forms and there's design elements, you know, and it's time for these guys to try some new things. And there's a few shops doing it, you know, um, but a hot rod just seems like such a natural you know, like a motorcycle and a bicycle is. You you look at some of this bicycle stuff, some of the creativity that goes on. It's incredible. Oh, the, you know, some of it. It's it's insane. Like you know, and you look at some of the bike stuff, and just from a technology standpoint, and where it's come from, uh, and where where it's going to, and just, I mean, it's it's. But it's also crazy how much they get for these things too. You know, I mean, <laughs> everything is. It, you know, I mean. Hey. It's crazy, but you know everything. That's what drives, that's what drives the top in, then it'll work its way down. Yeah, you know? for sure. But it it was kind of interesting though because you know when I heard that you know the the bikes are being sold out and there's inventories low and and all this stuff. It's like, but that's good. I mean, that's you know it's going backwards, right? You know, you kind of when I say backwards, backwards in a good way. Right, uh, it's people, a reciprocal, yeah. right? Because right people people economy, are out there riding the a bike. Economy, yeah. They're out there walking, and you know who knows? Once things get back to the old, closer to the old normal, are people just going to forget about their bike? Is it going to collect dust in their garage? Ah, whatever. You know, uh-huh. I mean, it's kind of cool to see yeah, right now. But you know, usually it opens usually it opens people up. You know, the the, the numbers drop off, but still, there, there's there's a lot that stays too. Yeah, because especially yeah. with the stimulus checks that went out, because you know people got yeah. an extra twelve hundred bucks. So guess what? Yeah. What are you gonna do? Hey, I can't. Yeah. Oh, they're letting me bike. Guess what? Yeah. I can go. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go buy do. a bike. Yeah. So no, nah, that's totally cool. I mean, plus that's that's a healthy hobby to have. You know. Yeah. No, it's um. Yeah, I mean, you know, so what? Let's talk about what what do you. You got anything going on right now that you you want to talk about? Uh, all I want to talk about is getting to Bonneville. <laughs> yeah, are you, you know, are you just so are you yeah, you know what and and are you going to go? Yeah, um you know, the problem with really liking the building and making process is sometimes you're not always quite with that close it out you know, sort of mentality that it takes. But um, we got a 29 Model A Roadster, so it's going to run in the, uh, the Roadster class. So no fenders. You can stretch a wheelbase a little bit. And um, um, 
we're, um, we got a great group of guys. Uh, I've had a couple of really good metal shapers. In fact, three groups of metal shapers helped me out because, you know, I'm just a, um, I'm just a junkie on that side. But, uh, it's great because Bonneville, nobody cares about how light it is. In fact, if it's heavier and the weight's down low, it's better. You know, you just, you just, the main concern is aerodynamics. So we've been hammering away on this thing. It's coming out pretty cool. Um, uh, it's down at, uh, uh, Destroy, Detroit Metal, um, getting, um, the panels fitted. We're waiting for uh, the motor, which it should be in any day. And, um, it's an excuse to call up all my old buddies and ask them questions, you know, but, uh, yeah, going to Bonneville seems like a great adventure. Now, that's, Bonneville is such a great spot, um, and I hope everything goes off this year without a hitch because I'd like to go out there. So what week is it going to be in August? It's like usually the last uh, weekend, think, right? Last week? Uh, no, it's it's like the second, it's usually the second week, and I think it's uh, something, I have to look at my phone, of course. Um, I think that it's um, the week, uh, come on. It's a week of the 10th, I believe. So, um, but uh, you can check on uh, SCTA or the BNI site. Um, But yeah, I think it's so, I think it's the 8th through the 14th. And and when you know uh, what? Yeah. I can answer that because I got the rule book on my desk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Such a cool so, uh, spot, like Steve. You got it, dude. Honestly, that, yeah, it is the eighth through the fourteenth. It's it, that's then, like being then, on a different planet. Yeah, right. When you're out there on the salt, except you're on well, a different planet with hot rod guys. Uh, like, so it's, it seems familiar. Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, the terrain's a little uh, it, um, extraterrestrial, but um, so do you are are you uh, so, are you active on social media? Are you are you posting this project? Uh, I've got a, I've run an I have run an Instagram. Um, uh, file on the car so um what's how do we follow that l eric if you go to l erickson 32 l erickson uh, okay. or yeah uh, it also may show up under my name um let me see let me see what it uh picking up the wrong phone here um but no we, we kind of the drivers in northern california the motors from pennsylvania the transmissions from texas and uh, so we got this thing scattered about every which way but Sunday. But, uh, no, it's a fun thing to build, you know. Um, yeah, so it's under L. Erickson 32. Okay. And, uh, in fact, way back in the feed is a picture of Chuck and Lucy and myself with Cadzilla at GM. Really? Yeah. No, we need to and get we're it standing by it, the lake. Yeah, I, you know what? Like with with the way the car show thing got all, you know, with everything going on, I think yeah. I, I'm gonna. I would love to figure out just to just get out of here for a few days and go to Bonneville. Yeah, you know, are you gonna be out there? All are you gonna be out there for the whole week? Well, that's a plan, um, and I I think we will make it. I mean, everybody's headed that way, and and the 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 mojo's good, as you would say. Well, and, and you um, know, I, I mean. I gotta say, Utah and Nevada and all those states got to be pretty good to be dealing with during this time right now. If it was in California, it'd be that eh, canceled. But 
Well, I, I think, yeah, both of those states are pretty sparsely populated. I think they, uh, you know, they're, they're uh, and, and they don't have any facilities where you have to bottleneck through a narrow area. No. You know, in New York, you can't go anywhere without using an elevator. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. But in, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, you, um, could, you could space in, yourself out at Bonneville for yeah. sure. Yeah, you can, you can, uh, well, that'll be cool. Get some I, distance. I want to try to maybe make it out there. I'll let you know. That'd be kind of cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, well, you know what? Hey, yeah, we'll be... I, I, yeah no, it, it, that, that, so that was like the last trip I made with my dad was the summer before he passed away. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, was, was, that was like, you know, wow. we, I went out to Bonneville when they were running that roadster out there. Um, yeah. And that was, yeah, that was like the last yeah. big trip I made wow. with him and uh, was out there and had a good time. That's a great. Well, that's cool. That's a great spot. But you know what, hey, yeah. Larry? I think we're gonna wrap it up, man. But I, I really appreciate okay, you coming cool. on, man. You know what? You brought back a well, lot of memories. You yeah. filled in a lot of uh, blanks for me. You no, know? it's insane listening about yeah, one no, of the I mean, greatest hot rod builds of all time, if not the greatest. You know, Cadzilla. Oh yeah, the greatest and, custom of all time. Yeah, it's, it's just uh, wow, really cool. Well, you know, there's. Um, and, and we probably hit this point, beat that horse to death. But, you know, when you work in a creative industry, whether it's, you know, whatever you're building, you know, in America, there's this tendency to think of the individual. But it's really, it's always a group or a system of networks or things like that. And, and uh, you know, I, I when I run into somebody and they talk about, you know, Boyd or, you know, something like that. It's usually caught up in the last thing that was the example, you know, a television show that runs in yeah, right. reruns forever. Yeah, exactly. And, and I just had a, still have just a huge admiration for what he did for, you know, the, the process of building and advancing all these things that we care about. And, you know, every time that one of those cars rolls down the road and somebody looks at it, you know, that's a beautiful thing. And most people don't leave things like that behind, you know, they, they don't have the opportunity and, and the footprint of that shop, your dad and the individuals that worked in that is a real testament to their skills. Yeah, definitely. Well, and and I'm I'm glad you you came on to just kind of share with the history with mm-hmm. us. Yeah, because you know what you're you're an important part of uh, just automotive history. You're an important part of Hot Rods by Boyd history. Yeah, and uh, we really appreciate you and appreciate you taking the time to have a little discussion with us here. Yeah, Larry, thank well, thank you great. for coming on the show, man. It's a great pleasure, and and uh, and uh, like I say, yeah. Uh, Spend time with hot rods. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh-huh. Right but, on. Yeah. And you know what? Um, we need to do like another, like they did uh, a few years back at the, at, at the, um, at the NHRA museum, a little Cadzilla reunion. That, that would be killer. Well, you know, you know, I, I started to put some effort into organizing that thing. And then my, my son got, uh, it was just temporary, but he, he got, he got sick. And we were both going to come out, and and so I, I didn't go. And I think Harry 
Harry was the one there that ended up kind of holding the holding the bag. And Harry's a good guy. Hand grenade Harry. Yeah. But yeah, it'd be great to put together. You know, it's got to be some kind of crazy anniversary. You know, forty fifth or thirty second or whatever it is. Yeah, we got to talk but about that because it the, would be group. Yeah, there's like a time lapse video, right? Was it time? I mean, I'm just kidding, time lapse, but because yeah, it's who, a loop, who, there, loop running of all the old shops. Yeah, because there know? was there, during the build of Cadzilla, someone was there filming it, right? Oh wow, that's cool. Well, I know I know Craig and I, and I can't remember which ones are mine or which ones are Craig, but Craig and I have a lot of photographs because we were using the facts to draw over those back and forth. Yeah, you know. So, th- so there's a lot of, you can almost do a, you know, like click, 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 like a stop action. But, um, so there's a lot of shots of it. Uh, plus there's a lot of other pieces. I mean, Daryl Mayad sent me a piece where it drove up his driveway one time. Oh, and, cool. um, you know, so um, there's lots of bits around. I, I, I think I kept literally almost every piece of um, communication on it in my files. Some of it's like, you know, crazy uh crazy uh uh you know senseless detail but uh yeah we got a lot of stuff on that yeah we can put something together it'd just be great to see all the people that put their time into that thing and uh, acknowledge uh you know what those efforts were how 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 important they were you know well we'll 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 try to figure something out um that'd be that would be totally cool. awesome well, right on. Thanks again, okay. and uh, maybe I'll I'll give you a okay. shot if I head to to Bonneville. But good luck there if I don't make it. Um, thanks again. This was a this was a great conversation. Yeah, this this was really cool, Larry. Great. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. You guys, you guys, uh, stay well. Okay. All right, Larry. Have a good one, man. All right, man. From Chris right. Coddington, Larry Erickson, our uh, esteemed guest, and myself, Steve Guerrero, co-host of the Hot Rods by Boy podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will talk to you guys again next time. We are out of here.